Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome, everyone, to the Mike Cavadier Show. This is your host, of course, Mike Cavadier. Here today is Thursday, August 31st, 2023, the last day of August. We're heading into Labor Day weekend. It's always an exciting time of year, but it's also a little bit sad for me because I love the summer, and this kind of signifies the end of the summer. I know technically, if you're looking at, you know, uh, the seasons of the summer still will be going on, but let's face it. It's the end of summer. Kids are going back to school. And uh, with that, brings yeah. football and more football, college football and NFL football and all the football that you want. But we're in the midst of some pretty exciting pennant chases. I know we're going to talk a lot of baseball. We'll talk a little bit of NFL too, Pop. But, you know, there are so many places to start with baseball wise i want to start with the dodgers and i know we kind of sound like homers we talk about the dodgers quite a bit but man mookie betts and freeman they are the best one two punch in the league i don't care what anybody says these guys are carrying off their pitching staff has absolutely been beat up but it's next man up they keep inserting guys into the equation but those two guys are steady producers, MVP candidates. You must be happy that you've got two guys, not just one guy that could carry a lineup, but two. Well, what's it? You know, you? Well, you know, when we brought in Freddie, I knew that he was going to be a guy that's going to help the Dodgers be uh, that team. They weren't going to have to worry about having another hitter behind Mookie and just relying on Mookie. And that's kind of what the issue was, that Cody Bellinger became undependable. And Corey Seager became um, a little bit too injury prone. So you could, you didn't have those backups that you needed, but they were great players because, you know, it showed up in that World Series. But now the Dodgers have Freddie Freeman, former World Series champion, Mookie Betts, former World Series champion, and they they are together, and they are a unit, and pretty much it's the chemistry of the Dodgers, man. It's just a fun dugout to be a part of, and the Dodgers are very keen to who they are and what, they, what they're going to be, and, you know, I've said this all year that the Dodgers weren't going to have issues. I've I was very adamant about that, that the Dodgers were going to have their ups and downs this year, but that wasn't going to deter them from being the consistent team that they usually are. Everybody was ready to hand everything to San Diego because of a playoff series. And I kept trying to tell everybody is that the one thing that will motivate a team is the way that they lost in those playoffs, you know, because it was more heartbreaking for me more than anything because I had an emotional, you know, uh, kind of sentiment to, to that. Mike, you know what happened about that time. I don't want to get too far into that. But, you know, 
I was trying to get the Dodgers to, you know, get one for Pops. And pretty much they didn't. And it was so disappointing. And people calling me saying sorry. And I saw him rooting for the Padres. You know how hard that was? You know what I mean? Seeing your buddies rooting for the rival team and, you know, all the Vegas uh, people, uh, you know, Mark Davis and his little team, they're all rooting for the Padres. They're at the game and all this stuff. And I'm just like, how can you turn your back on the Dodgers like that, man? The last 10 years, everybody's been blue crew or nothing. And I felt like the Dodgers had everybody turn on them last year. And that's exactly what they needed. They needed everybody to tell them they weren't good enough, that they were going to be the team that's going to have to be on the outside looking in. And they absolutely destroyed that narrative. And they did it the right way. They brought in James Altman, who was their top hitting rookie. They brought in um, some pretty good um Pitchers in um, Bobby Miller and also bringing in Emmett Sheehan when he was up in, at the um, major league level. That was huge. But I keep saying, I keep going back to Jason Hayward being such a valuable pickup. And I really feel like this team really took off two weeks before the All-Star break. And I told you that then, Mike, that here they come. They press the, they press the button. It's time to go. And you know, the Dodgers, I think, were still in, like, third place in at that point and then found themselves already back in first place, already up two and a half games uh, right when they got to the All-Star break. And so pretty much that goes to show you that this team is not normal. They are a machine, like we constantly say, and it's not about being a homer with the Dodgers. This season was always going to be a season that was going to be uh, a slow start a slow build because the Dodgers didn't chase free agents. The Dodgers felt like they had enough enough assets at home. And then when they went to the trade deadline, they went about it accordingly. They could have been stupid and gave up the whole farm from Nolan Ariando, but there was no reason to do that because Nolan Ariando is at the end of the best part of his career. He's had to his twilight, and it's obvious because the Cardinals aren't a good team this year. And the Dodgers know that. And pretty much they didn't want to deal with flattery. They didn't want to deal with Jordan Montgomery because they know that those guys are middling pitchers. They're good, but they're middling at the same time, too. So the Dodgers made the right decision. They went after Ryan Yarborough, a guy who's literally in the Siberia of the MLB. And then they went after a Matt Rosario, a guy that uh, uh, a, a contending team pretty much gave up on because they had a farm guy who's a m much cheaper option. Kike Hernandez, a guy who literally got kicked off the Boston Red Sox because he just wasn't efficient enough anymore. And then Lance Lynn was pretty much written off in Chicago as a over-the-hill, big baby, um, used to be, has been, pitcher. All four of those guys have been top contributors for the Dodgers since they got here. And that's absolutely a credit back to the front office for them doing a great scouting job and getting the right fits. Don't go get names. Go get the fits. That's what you need to succeed in the MLB and in any professional sport. You have to get the two guys that fit your team. It's not about names. It's about who fits your team. Freddie Freeman was not a name. Freddie Freeman was a fit. Mookie Betts was a fit. And it all makes sense right now. And it's a beautiful thing to watch, Mike.
that's a a, a a really good description there of, of uh, I mean you nailed the totality of it um I gotta ask who's the front runner for national league MVP and it's a two-part question do you think Olsen and Acuna kind of knock each other out a little bit and then do you think Betts and Freeman knock each other out a little bit and if so who wins out nobody's better than Mookie Betts right now Mookie Betts is a table setter. He's doing it from the leadoff position most nights. He's played three different positions this year, and he's not somebody who's supposed to be getting 40 home runs and 100 RBIs. Look at Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts in the 90s would have been a guy that you felt, oh, he can get about 10 home runs, but he most of the time he's still in bases. And RBIs, uh, he'll probably get about 60, 70 of those. But he's a leadoff man. He'll be stealing bases. He'll be bunting more than anything. That's the old type of guy that Mookie Betts had to, would have been. But in today's MLB, they're looking for a lot of guys to be five-tool guys, guys that can hit for power and hit for contact. And Mookie has mastered that. And Mookie has done a great job quietly – getting stronger throughout the year. I do watch a lot of Dodger um, programming on the Spectrum uh, Sportsnet, and they have a lot of interviews that you do not get on regular TV, things like that. And um, Beautiful Girl, who's the sideline reporter, she literally interviewed – every time Mookie has a big homer game or he hits a far home run, he always brings up the fact that he was lifting weights or he was – uh, carrying extra stuff in his bag to make sure that he's strong enough and strong enough to be a, a power hitter in a sense and be that that consistency the Dodgers need to get immediate offense. And I think that's what really separates him is that he's taken on the responsibility to be the leader but he tries to make himself better every single day. Acuna, Olsen, Freeman, all are deserving of the MVP award. But I think Mookie just really stands out. And it's hard to vote against Mookie. And I know the writers are thinking the same thing because Mookie has literally sparked the Dodgers to damn near winning, being the number one team in the National League. And I think the MVP award and race comes down to who gets the number one seed? And this weekend's going to be huge because we have the Braves and the Dodgers buying it out. The Dodgers are four games behind the Braves right now. If the Dodgers say swept the uh, Braves because they've been sweeping a lot at home lately, it would be absolutely incredible. The Dodgers are 24 and 4 this month. And if they were to catch up with the Braves and they were as far as 12 games back about a month and a half ago, and could find themselves in the mix of actually being the number one seed again this year, that's incredible. And you and Mookie wins by a landslide. But if Atlanta holds on to it, I think they're going to wind up giving it to Acuna. If Acuna, not if, he's going to be the first 30-60 guy, 30 home runs, 60 stolen bases, which, which is he's about to do, That'll be the first time in MLB history. A lot of people that have played this game over a long period of time, and he accomplishes something that has never happened. I think, I think Akudia is going to be the MVP, regardless of how hot Mookie Betts remains for the rest of the year. 
You know what I mean? Because that's just like historic. Right. But what Mookie's doing is kind of historic as well, too. I know it's been done before, but for a guy to be who he is and do what he's doing and be the, as important as he is to his team. But you're right, though. The history always trumps um, the, 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 the big year. But I just truly feel that the Dodgers – aren't worried about winning MVP awards. They're not worried about winning Cy Youngs this year. They want that big trophy with the flags on it, Mike. They want that big one. They want the one that matters most. They've been seen as a team that's a bunch of underachievers and can't, you know, win the big one. And this has been the Dodgers' history, their whole history, their whole lifespan. It's always been about coming up short. And the Dodgers, it's a ring or bust year. It's been like that since game one. It's not about winning the MVP. It wasn't about winning the West. It was about getting to the playoffs, beating the team that's in front of you, and winning another World Series. Not just getting to the World Series, but you want to win it. Because the Dodgers are over that getting to the World Series idea. They want to win that bad boy. And literally for a six-year run, you had this seven-year run. You had to go through the Dodgers to win the World Series, AL or NL. Sickening. Dodgers could have had seven World Series, Mike. Just think about that part. Seven in a row. They literally handed – and they got one, but they handed Atlanta one. They handed the Nats one. They handed your Red Sox one. They handed the Astros one. They handed the Mets one. Um, yeah, that started with the Mets. And then they handed the Braves one. And then what happened? Padres beat them. You thought Padres thought that they were going to be on their way to the World Series and winning one. But, you know, Philly had other ideas. And the Astros upended them anyway. So that ends the streak with that. So pretty much um, you got a great point. Atlanta is the number one team in baseball. And if they finish up as the number one team in baseball, it would be a disservice not to let Acuna win the MVP for a historic season. But when it comes down to who the true MVP truly is, that you cannot go without that player without, you know, really, you know, being, you know, you're going to struggle without him if you don't have him. I think Mookie's more valuable to the Dodgers than Acuna is to the Braves. The Braves have a lot of different guys that can contribute. The Dodgers really would be in a lot of trouble if something happened to either Freddie or to Mookie Betts. They wouldn't be in a lot of trouble, but it would take away the consistency that you got at the top of the lineup. You already have to deal with the struggling Muncie, who's just a power hitter. And then you have to deal with Altman being your top strikeout guy. Even though he's a young, talented player, he still tends to strike out a lot as well, too. And then Rojas, you can't ask him to do that much. Rojas has been batting better lately, but you can't ask him to do that much either. And Rosario and Kike Hernandez are more in and out the lineup than anything. So they're, the Dodgers, once you get away from Freddie and, and Mookie, the, it's Slim Pickens. Will Will uh, Smith is there, but it, after that, it's really, really sl Slim Pickens. You know what I mean? They're they're good, but you know Mookie and them, they really set the table and they really set things off for this Dodger team. Hundred percent agree. Everything you just said there makes a whole lot of sense. 
let's keep it moving. We only have a few seconds before the commercial break here, but let's just go over to the other side of town real fast. The Angels, I mean, they went from a team that was like, at the trade deadline, no, we're going to make a run to getting rid of everybody. I don't think I've ever seen this. Have you? Like, they just just got rid of the guys that they traded for weeks ago. Yeah, it's never seen that before. Have you? It's start, no, I haven't seen anything like that before. It started to become a real um, Peacock sitcom over there. NBC um, comedy, Tuesday night. You know what I mean? And let's go watch the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheims at 8.30. Starring Artie Moreno and Shohei Itani. Because that's exactly how it's looking right now. It's looking like an episode of Saturday Night Live. We trade for these guys, then we wave these guys. You know, um, we are doing everything we possibly can to show off for our prize possession, Shohei Atani. But what we're really doing is right now, we're really pushing him out of the door by doing too damn much. And that's pretty much what I'm seeing right now. Because you really didn't have to touch anything because you were already rolling as is. And then you had to give up some guys that were pretty good for what you guys were already doing. And then you have to give up prospects too. Yeah, the Angels really, really are in a bad position right now when it comes to um, being a fiscally responsible team, in my opinion. And it's just really just a a really funny joke right now with the Angels. You know what I mean? Like, all this to to keep Shohei Atani, and they're still going to wind up losing them at the end of the day. There you have it, folks. Straight from Pop DiBiase's mouth. Let's take a go over commercial timeout. Come back. We'll we'll dissect more MLB, and we'll tell you also about Pop's hot hand in the game of horse racing and how you can get involved. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back on the Pop DiBiase Show with Mike Abadir. Oh, stop. Hope everyone's happy. Hey man, it's it's just as much you as as me as me, my man. So, uh, l- let's put it to you this way: you've you've been an MVP this summer with the hot takes, man. I, I, I'm not even just saying this. I'd rather be a wingman with you than Skip Bayless and Shannon and uh, who's he got now? By the way, have you checked out the new format? It's a uh, Sherman. Richard Sherman and um, who else is on there? There's. Um, have you watched it with, with Bayless? He's no, got. Um, why am I blanking on who? That's that shows you kind of how not memorable it was. I can't even remember. Um, yeah. I I just saw it a few days ago too. It was Keyshawn Johnson who was there. It was all the guys that are like who got fired. You know what I mean? The guys that ESPN got rid of, um, except for Richard right. Sherman. Richard Sherman. Uh, Richard Sherman come in and then Keyshawn was there and I think they had a, a basketball uh, guy there as well too. Um, I'm trying to think what basketball guy was there. NBA guy. I think they had an NBA guy. But if it was up to Skip, you would probably put an MLB guy in there as well too. But I think Skip did it the right way because I know that for a fact that, um, no offense to Shannon Sharp, but having Richard Sherman is a much better fit for Skip Bayless because Richard Sherman is Stanford educated and he is really, really smart and he's really intellectual. It's not like he's trying to be an intellectual like Shannon Sharp. He's an actual intellectual. That's the whole thing. Shannon Sharp is is the equivalent of a guy that was a real cocky, macho person that they kind of neutered into being a, a, a you know, real professional a uh, hospitable guy, but at the same time, too, he just doesn't have the right right temperament to be a part of uh, of a show with Skip Bayless, and you can't. Well, let me let me put it a different way. Shannon Sharp is just really country, man. Right. You know what I mean? He's just he's just he's country folk, and Sherman right. is 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 city guy with high IQ, with high education. All that kind of stuff. Right, right. And, you know, I really, to be honest with you, Mike, I really try to stay away from those shows nowadays because they start getting you too bitter and too angry about things. You know what I mean? And you're sitting up there arguing with this person that you don't even know. So what I try to do is sometimes I do look at their shows for topics for my show for maybe later on that I might want to jump in on and stuff like that. So then we can get some clicks on my YouTubes and stuff like that, you know, Mike. But other than that, I'm usually watching Follow the Money on on um it's on uh, Spectrum Sportsnet, but it's a decent show with uh with uh money with um Paulie Howard and Mitch Moss. And 
I really enjoy their show because they're talking from the sports betters angle and they're bringing up all the props and all the stuff that have to do with the world that I'm in. You know what I mean? That I'm more focused on and in and things like that. Even though I am a media journalist who covers the NFL, NBA, um, MLB and everything like that, interviewing people and all that good stuff and boxing and horse racing and, you know, interviewing people at the end of the day, I'm still a professional handicapper as well too. And so pretty much that's what got me to all the other stuff that I'm doing. So I try to pay attention to what they're talking about. So then I can possibly use some of their, their little quirks and kinks on my show as well too, when it comes to talking, you know, the, the bets and things like that, but also talking topics to where, you know, be sensible and somewhat have a conversation with the audience and not talk at them, but talk to them. That's the whole thing, you know? So right. that's, Feel, but Mike, thank you for the compliment, man. That made me feel really, really good, man. I wish I could get the millions of dollars that they're paying all those guys over at Fox and um, ESPN. But you know what? In due time, Mike. In due time. Hey, man. In due time is right. Amen to that. Uh, I, I remembered who the last guy was, by the way. It's Michael Irvin. Now, yeah, that's why we can remember Michael Irvin. Irvin there's a there, yeah. There's a level of entertainment that comes with Michael Irvin, but here's the thing. Like, the guy is just too animated all the time. Like, he's huffing up. He almost looks like a steroid freak or something. Just how like, there's no way, man, that you get that rattled up or agitated or excited about every single topic. Like, I don't know if it's an act or if he's really like that or whatever. Sometimes I just want to hear a conversation, kind of like you and I are having you know, not, hey, let me, you know, like, just tone it down a little bit, Irv. Um, but there is some entertainment that comes with him. I guess it all balances each other out, you know, with, with Sherman and, and and Skip. And, you know, I've never been a Keyshawn Johnson fan. I like USC, and I didn't like him when he was at SC. Put it that way. Didn't like him with these on, when he was on the Jets. Didn't like him after his career. I haven't liked him when I met him. Oh, I just don't like him. Um, and, and I think I think you're right about your assessment. It's kind of like an ESPN NFL Network cast-off session. Right. That's kind of how it feels to me. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know who 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 they should have got because I'm kind of like you. You know, I would rather listen to a cool podcast or um, you know a show like ours <laughs> or you know. Uh, Prime time angles, that type of thing than I than I would any of these mainstream ones for for a lot of the reasons that you already mentioned. Um, but we'll, we'll give it a shot and maybe we'll handicap it again in a, in a month or two and see how, how we'll see how they do during football because that really should be their bread and butter, right? I mean, you got three right. former NFL guys, Pro Bowlers, Hall of Fame, maybe Hall of Fame to be. So that should be their bread, bread and butter. But I'm not going to sit there and listen to those guys talking to MLB. You know what I mean? Like, they don't know any more than you or I in, in baseball. You know what I mean? So um, that's kind of the other unusual thing about it, too. You know, Skip is going to have to carry the foursome when it comes to baseball and maybe any other sport besides NFL. You know, uh, I have no idea if they're NBA fans or not but 
anyways, we'll give it a shot over the next month, and uh, and maybe we'll revisit this topic a little bit later on. Um, during the break, Pop, we were we were talking just for a quick second about horse racing, a sport that both you and I love. We've both been involved with it since uh, our families, you know, have, have brought us into the mix. So it's kind of a generational thing. Um, and, and I'm a little disappointed in what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing, um, the attitude about people uh, in social media about horse racing, the devastating injuries that have happened on the track in horse racing, um, on and on and on. Why don't you fill us in a little bit, because you've been pretty tuned in, on what's going on and what happened in the big day over at the Toga. Well, you know, Saratoga's been going through some traumatic Saturdays the last three weeks. Um, a few weeks back, um, a horse by the name of Maple Leaf Mel, who was a high ex- elite in horse who was actually owned by uh, Bill Parcells, part owner, co-owner. And she had a female trainer as well, too, Melanie uh, Anatucci, something like that. And um, she, it was a good story. It was a great story. Everybody was loving some Maple Leaf Mel. And it was really sad because the horse got to the finish line. But what happened was the horse broke down at the finish line, so they couldn't count it as the horse winning the race. So for that horse's final race, they couldn't even reward that horse with the win. And only thing you can reward the horse with was the euthanization shot that ended its life because it was a catastrophic injury and the horse is just not feasible for the horse to move on. And then the next day, they didn't say much about this because it wasn't a stakes race, I think. But there was a race on the turf and a horse, the same exact thing happened. The horse came, but it wasn't on the stretch. It was coming around the corner to the stretch, and the horse fell out. I'm trying to remember that horse's name, but I just can't. It was a, a seven horse. But for me, this is what really, I really was like, my eyes kind of were like, uh, I even screamed out about this one. And I know it's kind of selfish purposes, but I really like New York Thunder. And I had just previously won a good, I had just won a big bet on New York Thunder in a previous stakes race, and that horse ran gangbusters that day, had the fastest time. And this horse comes from a smaller barn. It's not a Bafford. It's not a Pletcher. It's not a Brown. It's not an Asmussen. It's a part of a, a, a family-ran barn. You know what I mean? And the horse probably was putting on one of the better races a horse could have for that big stakes race the horse was in. It was leading the whole time. It hit the stretch, and it looked beautiful, Mike. Mike, uh, it was look. It, 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 he was floating, and then he takes one bad step, and that step turned into quicksand and literally ended him right there. And he falls through. He tried to get, trying to keep going still, but it didn't matter. The leg snapped. He's done. Um, the Gaffleon, the jockey, he flew to the to the left. The horse falls over, gets up, and when they start doing that, when they start moving a little too gingerly, you know it's over. You just know it's over. 
And it was really sad. And we've lost three different horses in the last three weeks. We didn't lose any the weekend after Maple Leaf Mail. But what makes it significant is that the two races that the two most significant ones were on a Saturday. And as you know, in our NYRA has an exclusive deal with Fox, with Fox, not Fox, just Fox Sports, but with Fox, the local network, FS1 and FS2. So for these big stakes races, they show them every Saturday on Fox. And so when you have that happen on national television, you get more eyes on that situation and you get more complaining on the situation because it's on national television. Now, if it was just on TVG, it probably wouldn't, it would be a big deal, but it would just be a big deal on Twitter. But when you see it on national television, where other news outlets are watching this situation as well, too, it becomes a top story. But Saratoga has a very credible resume with everybody because it's a New York track. But if that was Santa Anita, they would have shut us down for the rest of the summer. Um, I, I promise you that. If it was Del Mar, they probably would have said, you know what, we're going to have to take a few days off, guys, and figure this thing out. No. At Saratoga, they know that it's an old-ass racetrack, and they know in New York they have certain rules about horses that die on the racetrack. Do you know that they don't even have to report when a horse dies on the track? Only reason why they had to report it is because it was on national television. And they're pressing the uh, announcers and broadcasters to tell us what the status of the horse is. And so they have to do it because they're on a national feed. But if it was just a regular day at Aqueduct, if a horse falls over, it doesn't even matter, Mike. That's crazy, isn't it? Are you telling me that Naira doesn't have to report it? Nope. That's a New York thing or what? That's only in New York. Only in New York. Only in New York. They might have changed that rule, but a few years ago they said they didn't have to report it. I know this because one time I had a horse, and the horse didn't finish the race, and I saw the horse fall out. And then I said, are we going to say anything about what happened to the horse? And they never mentioned it. I've never even heard the horse's name again. It's like they literally just packed him up and put and just put him directly in the back. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's how I figured it out because then um, a legend in his own right, oh, Ken Rudolph came out and said that, yeah, um, you know, when that happens, um, you know, they don't have to say anything. You know, and he, he was the one who gave me the forewarning, or it was Matt Carruthers. But they were like, it's kind of funny that, you know, everywhere else you have to report that the horse died, but in New York you don't have to do it. And I was like, that's kind of crazy. And then the amount of horses that don't make it out of those New York tracks, it's it's kind of alarming, Mike, and it's kind of sad. That's why you got guys like um, Jason Service and the other one who had XY Jet, they're, they're out the game because, you know, a lot of those horses that died in New York were their horses. And, you know, Linda Rice as well, too, is another one that she probably is under a bigger spotlight than Baffert, you know, because she's in New York and she was on a three year suspension. I was like, what happened to Linda Rice? And then I looked up, she was on a three year suspension. She just got out of it. So there's a lot of things in New York that 
get people really frustrated about the game because they still get to get away with some of the old old stuff that you don't get away with anymore. And I think that Saratoga is a track that has to look at how their surface is because I even said it the first day running back on that track, and this is why I didn't really deal with Saratoga for a long time in the summer is because I don't like the way that they look on the dirt track on the stretch. They're not flowing. It feels like they're running in quicksand. You know what I mean, Mike? Have you ever noticed that at Saratoga, that it looks like they're running slower and it looks like they're running in quicksand and things like that? And that's why when I see a horse snap their leg on the stretch, I'm not surprised. But that happened to both horses when the uh, – the, the dirt was a little moist. And for uh, New York Thunder, it was an absolute monsoon that came down before they ran that race. So it was crazy to see how the track dried up on the next dirt race. And the race went by smoothly. But for New York Thunder, for some odd reason, he takes the wrong step and steps in that mud and gets stuck. That's all it was. But they want to put everything on Oh, is he a what's is was he a horse that that you know was too many drugs in him? Did did they know he had it had it? Did did he have a, a a leg issue already coming into the race? Blase, blase, blase. And I said none of that matters. I just saw what happened. The horse took a bad step and broke its leg. It happens. It happens. It's horse racing. But it's really sad when it's these horses running in $200,000, $300,000 races on national television because it sets the game back even further. And it makes all the people who hate sport, uh, the sport look very right on their assessments on how this business is ran. But I will keep it real with you, Mike, and I'm going to end it here. These trainers and owners treat these horses better than they treat human beings that hang around them every single day. If you're American Pharaoh, you're treated like the richest man in the world when you pull up and do your thing. California Chrome, same thing. Arrogant, same thing. Justify, same thing. But then you got horses like a horse that we we were very uh, invested in, a horse by the name of Avanti Bello. Remember that horse? Doug used to train him. And yes, you know, absolutely. Avanti Bello got thrown around after Doug and after Clint stopped owning the horse. The horse just started getting thrown around and just started getting thrown in races. Nobody cares because that horse is a gelding and he ain't worth nothing because all he did was run races. No, he's a professional racehorse. But you know, some people treat it, you know, but they're going to treat that horse like it is. You're a money thing. But still, you're treating this person much better than you have treated a human. So this is what people have to understand. They love their racehorses. But some of them are a little, you know, uh, careless with the ones that aren't a million-dollar situation. And it happens. And it's so many of them, you will lose track of them. So, you know, horse racing right now, I feel like, by them being on Fox, it made things look a lot better because Fox got their back and Fox understands the business. They're not going to ridicule them as hard as NBC does because I think NBC is really close to not doing horse racing anymore. They made a lot of, lot of good ratings for years off the Triple Crown and off the Breeders' Cup, but I think Fox shows 
horse racing in a better sense because you got more people around the track that know what they're talking about when it comes to the presentation on Fox. Everybody's an expert. You know, on NBC, they'll bring in Mike Tirico. He don't know nothing about horses. And then they'll bring in Ovechek. He's a he's a better. He's not thinking about handicapping the horses the right way. He's just listening to his buddies. And then you bring in old guys like um, uh, Jerry Bailey and um, Homeboy, uh, the other one. And they're just old, old guys that sit up in the uh, Santa Anita Turf Club and just yak all day. You know, they know about the horses, but they, they're they not caring about helping you win anything. They they say they're going to act like they care for the network, but they don't care. They're already rich. You know what I mean? What, they, you know, if I'm a better horse, then I'm going to put 500 on on a guaranteed winner. And that's what they do. And they're not going to tell you who that guaranteed winner is. OK, because they don't want you messing up their price. I or if you was thinking like me, you know, what I mean, or or Mike, I'm not going to tell you what horse I like. If I love that horse, I know he's a price. You know what I mean? So it happens. Absolutely. But. Absolutely. Well, let's take a, a final quick timeout, come back, talk a little more MLB and stuff. But I appreciate the um, the rundown uh, on Saratoga. It's, it's very sad. It's very frustrating. I know there's a lot of people screaming and yelling and uh, upset about what's going on. I oh, think well. that Twitter horse racing fans are, are, uh, are always complaining anyways, though. You know what I mean? Right. So I- <laughs> let's take a final timeout. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back right after this quick timeout. All right. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at TheMikeAbadirShow.com Now, back to this week's program. 
final segment on the Mike Avenir show with Pop DiBiase. Let's talk a little bit of NFL for a quick second, and then we'll wrap with MLB because we kind of just focused on the LA teams. I was only asking about the LA teams, and there's a whole great pennant chase going on. You know, uh, division on the on on the line for Baltimore and Tampa. And another great race is Seattle and, and Houston and Texas. Um, but before we get to, and those really are the only like super, super close races. I don't even think that the Cubs and Brewers are all, all that close, even though it's a three game differential. Um, but before we get to next week's NFL preview show, where you and I are going to go pick by pick, team by team, division by division and break it down and for those of you that want even more detail uh because pop's got more time on his show more flexibility and he runs he runs the show from a through z in terms of how much time is allotted there will be uh even further analysis there so if you want the cliff notes summary check us out voice america you want the more in-depth information on the NFL, uh, ch- check out Pop DBS's shows because they're going to be running, um, you know, all of next week, and uh, the breakdowns are going to be fantastic. I did want to ask you though. Now that preseason is over, which rookie quarterbacks do you think people need to keep an eye out on? And I'm asking that from two perspectives. Number one, wins and losses. Number two, fantasy football. Because, look, at the end of the day, Pop, that's all people care about, right? Wins and losses, and how does that affect my point spread analysis? And then how does it affect my fantasy football? So anybody on your radar going into opening day? I'm going to keep it real with you. And I know that they were trying to really eat him up and dog him out and everything, but I don't care because he's a born winner and a born leader. Give me Bryce Young all day long, man. That guy is going to be a special, special player. And I don't see either Stroud or Richardson being that much better than him. And I truly do think that he is an exceptional quarterback. But that's because he's able to start with a bad franchise. But the best quarterback who's a rookie that came out of the preseason was none other than UCLA's own DTR, the kid that we didn't think could throw a damn football in his first ever college football game. That kid wound up being – he was absolutely tremendous, and the NFL scouts absolutely dropped the ball on not having that guy be a top – be a first round pick. I'm sorry. I think that the coach really dropped the ball with that one because I think that DTR is better than uh what they what they what they rate Richardson's future to be. You could get that right now with DTR if you had him as your quarterback. That's how good he is. And then the Raiders guy is pretty good as well too. Aiden O'Connell, but we know that he's just there to be a clipboard holder, but he'll probably be uh playing at some point this season as well too. Okay. Okay. That's uh that's uh, uh but, oh, what you have it, folks. I mean, they need work. And you know, Hainer is he's gonna be all right too, but he's gonna have to sit for a while. Yeah, look, I'm not, um, I'm not super 
eager to go out of my way to say that any of them are going to see some early success. Look, NFL quarterback's a tough position. Now, teams have gotten pretty clever about how to use these guys and how to run, you know, offenses that enhance certain players' skill sets. You know, we started seeing that when teams started actually going with athletic quarterbacks out of the college football. What, what, the guys that used to be once labeled as system guys, NFL used to reject them. Now they embrace them. Now if you have a super fast quarterback that can run with the ball, they embrace them. Now here's the funny thing. They embrace them, and then once they show that they could actually throw the ball, then they say, stop running. Isn't that ironic? Yeah. It's like, we're going to use you for speed. And then once you prove that you could throw the ball, now we don't want you to for speed anymore. It's kind of a funny thing that's happening. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was reading, the Bills want Josh Allen to not run as much. And that was the game plan. But even in a preseason game, he couldn't help himself. He's trying to avoid tacklers. You know, he's not the type that's going to go down. You know what I mean? Like some guys, they'll get the first down and just go down. This dude wants to go to the house. That's, you know, that's just the type of person he is. I think Mahomes is maybe a little bit smarter than Josh Allen. You know, he'll get out of bounds when he needs to, but he'll get 50 yards to the house if he's got that opportunity. Same with Lamar. Uh, Jalen, I need to see more, another season of what he's going to do. But, you know, these type of quarterbacks, they're exciting to watch, but they definitely open the door to injury possibilities um, because of how hard-hitting these guys are that want to knock them out of the game, you know? Now they just do it without being headhunters or without being paid bounties. But nothing changes. You still want to take out the other team's quarterback. Uh, so these rookies are going to be up against it. I guess that's a long way of, of saying these rookies are going to be up against it. And before I move off of football, just early, 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 any lines that caught your attention for week one? Um, I would say this. And um, also, to piggyback off real quick what Mike was saying, NFL betting okay. Shan- will be next week at 9.45, 10 o'clock, somewhat around that time, probably 9.30 or so. But we will have the first episode season four of NFL Bet Exchange next week. So we'll be breaking out all the lines and all the picks and all that good stuff that everybody needs. And we just Give us, wrap- give us that time again, time uh, and name and how to Google it or how to find it. It's going to be at nine. The show is going to start at about nine thirty, but we're going to probably kick it off at nine forty-five. It's going to be on Pop DBIC on my Twitter, but it's also going to be on my YouTube, the Prime Wave Media channel. So you guys tune in for that, and then also it'll be on my Facebook under my actual name. And I don't like putting out my government like that, but you people already know me. If you know me, you know my real name. It's going to be for Jamil Brown. So if you have Facebook, just type up under Jamil, and then. I should show up on there on my Facebook Live with my man Jeff Dawson and Donna Cape Cod, and we will have that thing going for you guys. But um, if I'm going to give out a, a – Hey, a- I just want to jump in for a quick second, Pop, um, because we we are L.A. guys, and we think that the world revolves around us. Sometimes <laughs> we forget to, to say that it's Pacific time zone. So when Pop's talking about 9.30 a.m., 
We're talking 12.30 for you guys in the East Coast and uh, 11.30 in the Central Time Zone. So that's 9.30 a.m. Pacific Time. But you could always catch the, uh, you know, the on-demand uh, version if you can't catch it live as well. So definitely worthwhile. Jeff does a great job, too. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, every once in a while I do uh, appear especially during football season. So look out for me there too. I love it uh, being on pop show and that comes with video as well. Something that I want to adopt for this. Uh, once I could kind of you know, situate the graphic situation and stuff. So if you're visual people, pop DiBiase show is right up your alley. You know, we're basically out of time now. Um, so I'm just going to quick hit. Who who wins this crazy AL West? The AL West. And you know what, man? That's why I'm, I'm mad at you right now, Mike, because we were supposed to talk AL West. You want me to talk about I know, them? I know. You know, the Angels, the Angels fans don't even like talking about them, Mike. But you know what? Mariners, go get my money. Plus 550, baby. I took the Mariners to win the West 30 teams in 30 days. When I did my over-under, I had the Mariners as the best team in the division at the end of the day, and I hopefully that will come to fruition. And I think the Mariners lock this thing up because literally it's like being on the stretch and they have all the momentum and they're in the green zone, as they like to say, Mike. There you have it. And hopefully we'll save more time next week because that's all the time we have. Thank you to Voice America. Thank you to the entire studio staff and everybody that works hard. Thanks to Pop DiBiase. And, of course, most of all, thank you to the listener. Without you, there is no show. We will see you all same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.